Sunday. This nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. One day right down in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream. Welcome to the Ambassador Podcast a resource created by a community of Christians seeking to represent God to a watching world in humility, unity, and boldness. Our goal is to educate, be educated, encourage, be encouraged, challenge, and be challenged as we pursue a heavenward perspective of God's heart for racial equity and reconciliation rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Ambassador Podcast, and thank you for joining us again for our fourth interview of the season. Uh, I am your host, Jared Cole, and I'm here with my co-host, Tracy Spears. Tracy. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, things are going well. Things are going good over there? Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, doing, just doing your thing. Yeah, just doing yeah, your yeah, thing, yeah. man. <laughs> just Tracy being Tracy, man. That's, that's it, and that's all. So, yo, I don't think we've ever talked about our moms on on the podcast. Uh, you know, we've we talked about the influence of our of our moms on the podcast. I yeah. think we've never like actually gave credit to our moms on this podcast. And uh, this episode will be coming out uh, right after Mother's Day. Wow! And so I think it's only right that we actually give credit to the women that raised yeah. us you know and just give a, a big shout out to a boys to men is it boys to men mama right. come on man go ahead sing it sing it sing it sing it <laughs> don't know <laughs> that's literally the only part stuck in my head right now I love you yeah, there it is, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah shout out to Miss Linda Cole down mm-hmm. in Kansas City uh, yeah. mama raised me shout out to uh, my sisters as well uh, yeah. my, my my wife my beautiful beautiful wife who is the mother of my three children soon to be four <laughs> yeah 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 uh, love them dearly mm. Yeah, man. Shout out to my mom, Lynn. You know, she did the yeah. best she could with what she had always. And then yeah, my sister, yeah, 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 yeah. literally, what a boss. Yeah, yeah, that's sweet. And happy Mother's Day, man. So, and happy Mother's Day to the rest of you moms out there, too. You know, y'all are amazing, amazing, amazing. And the world has made a much better place uh, because of you. Amen. So if this is your first time tuning in to the Ambassador, what you can expect from us is biblically informed, honest dialogue, and open conversation where we aim to create a space where tough conversations are the norm and where we can come together in humility, unity, and boldness. And so without further ado, I want to go ahead and jump into our next interview. And on today's episode, we have Hosanna Wong, who was an author, a Bible teacher, a spoken word artist, and a prominent voice in the Christian community out at East Lake Church in California. Hosanna, I have been uh, blessed by your ministry in many ways and what the Lord is doing through you. And I'm super mm-hmm. excited to have you here today. Thanks for joining us. 
you guys, thanks for having me. You heard me cracking up over here. I'm like, yeah, shout out to my mom. Shout out to my mom. Jose, go ahead and shout her out real quick. <laughs> I love you, Liz. I love you. <laughs> oh, awesome. Thanks for having yeah. me. I'm stoked. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, we sweet, love sweet. it. All right, Hosanna. This is one of the things that we recently have started to ask people. So you're right now in San Francisco, right? Yeah, I am between San Francisco and San Diego, California. All right. All right. So you could choose where you want to take us, but let's say that Jared and I are with you for an evening and you can take us anywhere for a meal. Where are you taking us? Oh man. Okay. Where do you guys live? Iowa. We're in Iowa. But, <laughs> okay. but hey, uh, Tracy, so Tracy's from California, Compton, California. Oh, so she might yes, even know us. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's what's up. So I'm like, okay, Iowa, I'm thinking like you have really good meats there. Like I'm not going to take you to some steak here. I'm going to take okay. you to things that we have. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to try to compete oh. with like the best of the best. So I'm, All right. um, you know, if we were in San Francisco, if you wanted some seafood, I would probably take you to the water to get some good seafood. That's something you wouldn't have as much of probably where you're at. Right. Take you some good seafood there. Or one of my favorite restaurants is called Emmy's Spaghetti Shack. And Ooh. it's like a hole in the wall seafood Italian experience. That's yes. what I would call it. And so yes. I'd probably do something like that. Like, where are you from? Uh, okay. Cause like people like from Texas are like, Oh, we're going to come visit you. Uh-huh. We want to taste your barbecue. I'm like, you don't, you don't want to taste our barbecue. You bring me to barbecue and I bring you here. I'll bring you some Chinese food, yeah, some Italian yeah. food. Yeah. So some, I'd either bring you like a hole in the wall, Chinese food place or like a seafood yeah. Italian place on the water. One of the two, one of the two dealers choice. Hey, yeah. I love it. I'm about it. That, that would be amazing. I love, I love seafood. Yo, funny story. Funny. You bring up the whole, you know, I'm from Texas. I'm coming out to California. And I have barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> so we were in, uh, my wife and I, we were up in Milwaukee just recently and we were checking out the city and, uh, we went to this restaurant and I wanted barbecue, you know, <laughs> and Milwaukee's not one of the cities that's known for its barbecue. And I found that out as soon as I went in and got the menu when they were talking about, here, try our Kansas City egg rolls. Oh, <laughs> Kansas City oh my I'm like, Yo, You know, the barbecue joint is inauthentic when the thing they have from Kansas City is egg rolls on the menu. You know? Oh my goodness. I, I was just I like, this is, this is not the place. Uh, See, that's where you go to get good barbecue. It's like, man, if I'm in Kansas City, uh-huh. I, mean, I yeah. love Kansas City. I have visited there go so much. I that. love Kansas City. I am not Finally. getting Chinese food in Kansas City. That's right. That's right. I'm an egg roll. That's right. That's right. That's right. You do best. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's amazing. That's good stuff. Wow. Well, oh, you got us on board, Hosanna. All right. So just to kick us off for our audience that might not know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're originally from, how did you come to know Christ, and how did you receive your calling into ministry? Oh, shoot. Okay. Low key. Lighthearted. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm originally from San Francisco, California. Um, I grew up in the, the hood, like the hood hood. My daddy was a, a heroin addict, ex-convict, um, mm. fought in a Chinese gang and, uh, he was a pimp and he found wow. Jesus Christ. Jesus changed his whole life. And wow. my dad wow. ended up planning a ministry to the homeless ex-convicts 
prostitutes and pimps on the streets of San Francisco uh, when my, I was in my mom's belly. So I actually grew up um, on the streets of San Francisco doing church there a few days a week with all of my with all of our friends on the streets there, you know, I, I learned later in life when people ask me, like, if I grew up in church too, like them, I realized yeah. we weren't talking about the same thing. Like, yeah, I, I grew up in church too. Up in church. Like, oh, you had less, you had less bottles of alcohol at your church. Okay. So, um, so I, you know, but that's how I learned church. That's how I grew up. And that's how I learned that Jesus had the power to change anybody's lives. And yeah. that's where I learned that Jesus could use anybody. Mm. to share his message with them. Um, mm. I knew that because of what I saw on the streets, what I saw through my dad. And so on the streets, I learned, um, <clears throat> I learned spoken word poetry. You, are you guys fans? You guys spoken yeah. word fans? Oh, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Sometimes yeah. I, I have to explain it to people, and it, it just helps if people just know what it is from the <laughs> 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 uh, But, you know, all my friends on the streets, uh, you know, ex-convict friends, homeless friends, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of them uh, taught me the art of spoken word poetry. You know, they also taught me the art of poker, but I only pursued one of those career ambitions. Come on, somebody. That's how I was introduced to Jesus, honestly, was, you know, through seeing what he did on the streets with my family and through my dad. And then I learned this art of spoken word poetry from mm-hmm. all my friends on the streets. And it was just my love. It wasn't like a ministry. It was just my hobby, you know, something I loved. And then as I got older and just started sharing more about my life through my spoken word and just started having my own very real relationship with Jesus, he just naturally came out of those pieces. And, um, when I started seeing that as I was performing these pieces, as you know, uh, poetry slams, open mics or at school or wherever. And I, and I saw that it, it helped change people's minds about Jesus or, or change their minds about what maybe their lives were capable of. Once mm-hmm. I saw that it worked to do that, yeah. um, I yeah. just was like, Oh, I'm going to do this again tomorrow. And then I just kept doing it. And so eventually in my life, I started just, uh, I just kept doing it and I performed spoken word poetry, um, traveled the country, just performing spoken word poetry, uh, preaching the gospel through sermons and spoken word, uh, driving around the country, maybe performing three to five days a week, living in hotels and guest rooms in prisons, churches, conferences for about four and a half years. Um, and then on the road, you know, I met my husband, he was a pastor at a church Mm -hmm. and, um, and I was like, you're, you're down for a girl that does poems for Jesus. I'm gonna marry you right away. <laughs> Don't think about it too much. Just say yes. That's right. That's right. Just and, do it. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. So we've been married now for six years. Um, mm-hmm. and now, and so I, I don't know, I guess I just, I, I learned about Jesus through, through the ministry on the streets. I kind of learned the language, uh, mm-hmm. that I learned how to communicate was kind of from the streets. And, um, once I just learned that I could use that to show people who Jesus is, I've just kept doing that. Now, now I do spoken words sometimes, sometimes I preach sermons sometimes. And, um, I just, just talk about Jesus, whatever way, uh, works mm-hmm. at the time. I just do that again. <laughs> so it's, I guess that's my story. That's who I am. Now my husband and I are, we're between San Diego and San Francisco. We serve our local mm-hmm. church here in San Diego. And, but we're mm-hmm. very highly involved with our homeless ministry, our family's homeless ministry in San Francisco. So we travel there mm-hmm. frequently. Um, so we're kind of between, uh, both. We just have a big heart and passion for the local and global church and, and do our best to, to, to be very involved, um, in, in many ministries. Um, but yeah. specifically these two is kind of where our family's rooted. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Hosanna. Um, talk to us a little bit more about, uh, stepping into ministry and I guess more, even more importantly than that, being a woman in ministry and not just being a woman in ministry, but being a Bible teacher. How, how did you, how did you get around to doing that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, man, uh, how, how did I get around to doing that? Like, how did I start doing that? 
Yeah, yeah. How did how did you start? How did you hit that call? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I just um, when I started traveling doing spoken word poetry, I just kept doing that, and then as doors open, when people are like, do you want to talk a little bit longer? Like after you do your five minute thing, <laughs> do you want to talk for thirty? And I was like, okay. Um, I honestly was constantly praying that God would open doors for me to talk about Him. I didn't mm-hmm. expect that it would be through spoken word poetry. Um, it wasn't yeah. like cool to me. Like growing up, it was like I don't know. It just doesn't sound cool. Like doing poems yeah. just doesn't sound hood. It doesn't sound cool. It wasn't what I was like proud to say I did, but I, I yeah. was praying that God would help me talk about him. Uh, when my daddy died, when I was 18 years old, there was no other like skill I had. All I had done growing up was poems. And so when all I had left was that, but I knew like, I just had to be a part of letting people know what Jesus could do in people's lives. I just used the only thing I had. And so I kept doing spoken word. And then when doors opened for me to you know, share through longer, longer spoken words through sermons and, and to talk, um, you know, I hesitated for a long time. I'm not proud of that. Um, just because I was a little bit nervous about with the same people that were so excited and supported me as a female artist, Mm -hmm. as supportive as a female preacher, so I was nervous and I think, um, because I feared man more than I feared God, I held back that part of my life for a little bit. And so, um, eventually, um, I tried it out and I kept trying it and I'm still trying it. I'm still learning it. I'm still trying to do it. You know, I've been doing it now for a few years. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend like it's, um, been easy, but, um, I have a luxury um, in that many women have gone before me yeah, and many have paved the road before me. And there's all these things that I, I, I can do because of the prices that they paid. So I'm not gonna pretend like it's easy or that I didn't struggle with it in the beginning, but I do acknowledge that I have a bit of a luxury that I'm not the first to go and that there's many who are, are rooting me on and, and, and helping me navigate some of that if I'm being completely honest with that. So I started with doing spoken word on the streets then doing spoken word of the church. And now, um, now I share the gospel of Jesus in many ways, you know, whether that's through sermons or on social media or through videos or zoom yeah. or podcast, you know, it's just, I'm just talking about Jesus and whatever's working for people this year. Yeah. That's right. Well, welcome to the podcast, right? This is the <laughs> yeah. avenue we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing it now. No, it's not, it's not complicated. Um, however, yeah. Yeah. communicate on the mm-hmm. streets, people communicated through short story. They communicated through hip hop, through rap, through freestyling, through spoken word. So that's mm-hmm. what I learned to do. Cause that's how people communicated. And in the local church, people communicate through these 35 minute talks and mm-hmm. now they're yeah. doing it sometimes through video and sometimes live. So I'm learning mm-hmm. to do that through podcasts. It's yeah. like, whatever the method of communication is, that's not really up to me. Yeah. Um, that's right. So I'm in the word and asking God what he wants me to say, but how I say it, I mean, I've never really felt like that was up to me. Dang. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. good, Hosanna. So, Hosanna, I want to kind of switch gears really quick. Um, the episode, uh, the title of this episode is is going to be uh, assimilation versus accommodation, uh, oh, and I yeah. want to um, 
just briefly, so the ambassador, we 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 opened up conversations about race and culture and, and justice here on mm-hmm. the podcast. That's historically what we do. Um, and so I wanted to I wanted to invite you into this conversation. I've heard you on a on a podcast once before, and you talked about the uh, narrative of diving into your own heritage, into your Asian American heritage. Um, yeah. And, and you spoke about what that meant for you uh, in ministry and even in life in general, kind of some things that you wrestled with there. And, and I think even maybe that stuff is even pertinent to your ministry in some way. I want you to uh, talk a little bit about that and, and how that played a part, how your, how your uh, ethnic heritage has played a part in, in who you are today. Mm. That's a great question. Um, the most honest way that I could launch into that answer is that for a long time, I didn't want it to play a part into who I would become. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for a long time, I tried to hide that part of me because I'm half Chinese. I really tried to play up the other half of me to, I learned very early how to do my eye makeup. So my eyes didn't look so small. So my eyes didn't look so Asian. I mm-hmm. um, didn't want to check that box on the SAT, you know, I was, I didn't, I mean, when I was younger, I don't don't know what the boxes are nowadays. When I was younger, there was like a mixed box. So I was also just like trying to pick like who, whose fault is this going to be for this low SAT score? (laughs) Like, Um, you know, I wasn't raised to be proud of being Chinese. Hmm. My grandma left Kaping, China, which is a little bit more like a hundred miles outside of Hong Kong, um, Mm. because she was escaping a terrible situation in China and she didn't want any of her kids or grandkids to go back to China. She didn't want us to learn the language. She was not proud of being Chinese. It represented something really terrible to her. So even though we celebrated Chinese new year and we ate lots of new Mai Fun and bok choy and chow mein, like even though we were Chinese, we were not raised to be proud to be Chinese. So I learned to do my eye makeup differently. Mm -hmm. I, uh, didn't hang out with the other Asians in my high school. Um, mm-hmm. I just wasn't proud of being Chinese. And, yeah. um, so, th- so the, the, the answer I'm not the most proud of to your question is, is really like, I think for a long time, I didn't let it form who I was today, or I didn't want it to, I was really hoping that I could get away for the rest of my life, not being Chinese. Um, mm-hmm. and even as I started performing spoken word poetry, um, seriously, and then professionally, and then travel around the country doing it for years, I didn't go by Hosanna Wong because I was trying to get away with not being Chinese, even as an mm-hmm. adult, like in this mm-hmm. story, like 20, 21, 22 years old, making this decision. Like at this point, I'm not 12 doing my eye makeup in my locker room, you know, not knowing what box to check on the SAT. Now I'm like out of college still saying, I'm not going to go by Hosanna Wong. And so for years I went by Hosanna poetry. If people look on Spotify or iTunes for my spoken word, they are all under Hosanna poetry because I was trying to like hide my last name, um, and hope that I could get away without being Chinese. And, And the truth is it wasn't just that I was, um, insecure or like had all this pity on myself. I Mm. really believe that it was strategic because it was going to stand in the way of my career. So Mm. it wasn't just like, Oh, I hate this part about me in like a, 
you know, a sad and secure way, I boldly made these decisions thinking I was being strategic. And, mm-hmm. um, I learned that term internal racism from Miles McPherson, who talked about how internal racism is one of the hardest racisms to, to overcome or protest against because it's inside of you. Nobody needed to tell me you're less than because you're Chinese. You don't have opportunities because you're Chinese. You're not going to be able to preach like the other people preach because you're a Chinese woman. No one had to tell me that. I already believed all that about myself. Did some people confirm some of my fears throughout my life? Sure. But they weren't news to me. They were things I was raised thinking were true. And so I think for me, um, I would say this is new for me. You know, you're asking how did your culture and how did your, my, my Asian American culture form who I am. And I would say that it has only been maybe five years Mm-hmm. where I have, I have acknowledged how important of a part this is in me and how yeah, much sure. victory the enemy had when I was trying to hide a part of me that was made in the image of God. Yeah. So the truth is I've done ministry for a long time without being fully who I really am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is probably five years old for me to have embraced it yeah. as if it wasn't a mistake but as if God's image is stamped on me this way. Wow. Thanks for sharing that, Hosanna. And I mean, you're not alone (laughs) in that, in that, in that, in that new realization, you know, that's the, uh, unfortunately that's the narrative for a lot of us, uh, minorities, you know, in majority spaces and are trying to make a name or trying to make a way, uh, you know, that's, that's the easy thing to do to assimilate, um, mm-hmm. and man, I am, I'm so encouraged by your journey. Uh, you have many of us walking alongside you with this journey yeah. as, as well. Uh, so thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Hosanna, that was, uh, so encouraging so many things to resonate with, even on the, the front of being a woman in ministry. So last, uh, thing that we did within uh, the ambassadors that we walked through black womanhood and what that was like to actually navigate that in a world um, outside of the church, but also inside the church. And one Mm -hmm. of the things that I was uh, listening to an interview that you did um, in the past, you were talking about this mentality that you developed while growing up in the hood in San Francisco. And you talked about this idea of needing to be strong. And that's one of the classic stereotypes for a woman of color. Uh, this idea that you are labeled as a strong black woman. And so in light of this, what did the journey look like for you to be honest about your own weaknesses and just to, to navigate some of the stereotypes that you had to walk through? And what advice specifically do you have for people and women of color? Yeah, that's a great question. I think growing up on the streets, that mentality of I have to be strong, I have to survive, very um, I think anyone can resonate what, no matter what ethnicity they are in, if they were raised in an environment in a broken home or a home that's not well off or whatever you, you saw something trauma too young, you know, the self-sufficiency sometimes that we grow up with, I felt like I have to be strong. I don't, I think it also kept me away from the church. It kept me away from real authentic community for a long time. This idea that I have to do it alone. I have to be strong. I have to overcome. I think I didn't want anyone else's pity. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want anyone to feel bad for me. Yep. And so, um, even as topics of race would come up, I really try to remove myself, not just from being Asian, but like, even from getting like the good attention of like, mm-hmm. we, we want to raise Asian voices. And it's like, I don't want the attention Wow. as if my yeah. voice has been stifled. I don't want any attention. I can do this on my own. So I, I would say that growing up on the streets, I got that sense of 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm strong. I'm self-sufficient. I don't want anyone's pity. I want to feel bad for me. You have to raise my voice. You know, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. But I also think that as a woman of color, you know, I think it's different for Asians. I, I can really only speak on my own experience. Mm-hmm. On my own experience, I think being strong as an Asian isn't, hasn't been the same in my experience as what being strong, maybe another of my friends of other races has been. Mm-hmm. I think for Asians, a lot of the time growing up, being strong was being silent Mm. Um, being strong, um, and keep it inside of you. Like what were some of my other friends being strong might be a sense of, um, you know, combating the system and standing up for who you are. And, and in many ways I look up to that. And I think for Asians, a lot of the, for me growing up, a lot of the, the wrong mentality was be strong and stay silent. Mm-hmm. To be strong, you keep it in. And yeah. I would say in a way that some of my friends have said that, you know, I'm discovering to be strong, you know, uh, means this and this and this, depending on how they were raised. For me, it's like, for me, being strong has realized that sometimes being strong isn't being silent. Yeah. Sometimes being strong isn't keeping it all in. Sometimes being strong isn't just going with the flow and, and letting people um, tell you what you're supposed to believe. Yeah. And so for me, I've had friends tell me like, in getting strong, I've had to learn how to deal with my anger. Like one of my very close friends, who's also a speaker said that she goes, I'm learning to be strong and being a voice for this generation. I've had to learn how to deal with my anger and not speak out about everything I'm angry about. And I was like, that's Mm. powerful. And for me, I feel the opposite. I've had to learn. I need to start having righteous anger about the things that God was angry about. And I need to start letting myself speak up about that. So I just Mm. think that it is a a righteous anger that we need to have and a a righteous strength that we all need to have. Because for some of us being a strong woman, a woman of color might not have meant the same for Mm. every different woman of color, but Mm. where we can uh, be fully who God's called us to be and stand up for what God's called us to stand up for may not be the exact same. You know, um, Proverbs 6 spoke a lot to me. When I was like, Lord, what do you want me to be mad about? <laughs> like that, you know, maybe not yeah. for me, though, yeah. for me yeah. struggling with being angry about anything, struggling, you know, and Proverbs talks about that. Have you guys talked about uh, uh, Proverbs 6 a lot? I don't want to be repetitive. No. It was something no, no, that, no, no, no. Uh, right ahead. Is that okay? Um, I'm going to just read it really quick. It's uh, four, four or five verses. Uh, take note, there are six things the eternal hates. No, make it seven, he abhors. Mm. Eyes that look down on others. A tongue that can't be trusted. Hands that shed innocent blood a heart that conceives evil plans, feet that sprint toward evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and anyone who stirs up trouble among the faithful. And I Mm -hmm. think sometimes we as Christ followers might think, God doesn't hate anything. God is love. But because God loves everyone, he cannot love everything because some things separate him Mm -hmm. from those he loves. So instead, we are given a list of things that God hates. So I think for me, specifically being Asian, I think when I fell more in love with Jesus and said, God, let me let my heart beat for what your heart beats for. Let me love what you love and let me hate what you hate. Mm-hmm. I needed to start forming a voice that maybe didn't go with my strengths finder test or with my Enneagram <laughs> number or with what my, my culture, you know, what my culture yeah. would say, what people would assume I would be like if I checked Chinese on my SAT box. But we are called to more than the boxes the world puts us in. And so that has been my prayer. God, let me love what you love and hate what you hate. Let me be, let me have a self, let me, let me, let me have a righteous anger. Let me have a righteous anger about the things that you're 
you hate God. And so for me, I'd say, you know, it's a little bit different being Asian, what it's like to be strong for us. So long being strong was being silent, but the word of God calls us to a different kind of life, um, beyond that. And so that's something I've been learning the past few years to use my voice. And I don't have to have a voice like you have a voice and we don't have to stretch ourselves to be outspoken the way someone else is outspoken. But with what I am and who I am and with the image of God stamped on me, how can I fight for those God loves? Man, that is a good word, Hosanna. And I think even in the vein of what you just laid out there, one of the things that I just want you to kind of tease out for us a little bit is on your statement, on your website, you say, empowering this generation to know who they are and boldly live out their purpose. Can you walk us through that and what birthed out of that and what the Lord taught you in your own journey of actually doing this for yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, one of the enemy's greatest threats is children of God knowing who they are. Because I think the enemy knows how powerful our lives are and how important our voices are. So he has thrown every lie he can to make sure we don't find out too, to make us think that our race isn't the right race or our gender is not the right gender or our background is not the right background or we don't have the qualifications or some people have the gift of evangelism, but some don't. And some people Mm -hmm. have the power to share Jesus and some don't. Like I think he has trying to throw every single lie he can at us because once we know who we are, then we start living as who we are. Mm. And that's when God's purposes are propelled forward in our world. That's when people start knowing Jesus. That's when souls start getting saved. That's when unity starts happening in the church. So I think the enemy just, the enemy can't change who we are. The enemy has no power to change who we are. His best plan is to make us doubt it. So we don't live in the calling God has in our lives. And so my hope, I hope that on my best days that I am empowering this generation to know just who they are, Mm -hmm. to know that God's image is stamped on you, that everything Mm -hmm. you were born with and everything you love and enjoy, he wants to use to show other people how good he is. Mm -hmm. And so I want to empower people to know who they are so they can live out their purpose I just think that's the root of a lot of our issues that the enemy's convinced us that some of us are less than others. And some of us have believed that we are more than others. And if the enemy can keep that lie circulating, that he can keep his church divided. And so, um, in the unified church, I know that's your guys' heart and mission too. It's God's plan to reach the world. Um, So of course the enemy wants us to think, you know, of course he wants us to (laughs) doubt who we are, you know? So that's kind of what that, that, uh, that motto has been, for me and what, and what that declaration has meant to me over the years. Yeah, that's good, Hosanna. I think that's so true. And I mean, we can't actually know who we are if we don't know who the God of the universe is. And so that's, that's right. the foundation of all of that is, is seeing him and knowing him and then not birth out of that is actually knowing who we are through that. Um, man, Hosanna, that's some good stuff that you're just dropping on us. Uh, but I just want to change it a little bit. Uh, knowing that you are a woman in ministry and you're leading out, you're teaching the Bible, things along those lines. Uh, in your opinion, how does the church move towards better equipping and churning and training up women in leadership? Yeah. Um, well, if there's any women that are watching, listening uh, right now, kind of doubting if, if that's a position for them to be able to teach the word of God, 
I just want you to know that, you know, sometimes I still struggle with that too. And you're not alone. And there's been a lot of reasons for us to doubt that we can. Um, I had to come to a place in my life where I just had to realize at the end of my life, I'm not going to be held accountable for what people told me I could and could not do. I'm only going to be held accountable for what Jesus told me to do. And if I did it and somewhere along the line, it became more important to me to please God than to please people. And so I'm not saying this from someone that, you know, I want to answer this question with like a lot of boldness. And I want to answer this question with a lot of fearlessness. And I want to answer this question like, you know, let's go, you know, get the troops, storm the castle. Um, but that's really (laughs) not my heart. Um, you know, I've, I've been asking God my whole life, how can I talk about you? And, you know, I've had fears of, of when I started going by Hosanna Wong, I had fears of people making fun of my last name. Mm-hmm. And I have seen people, um, who were saying that I wasn't qualified to be on stages, talking down about my gender and making fun of my last name. Wow. I've wow. had fears of the people that supported me so much as a spoken word artist, not supporting me as a Bible teacher. Yeah. Um, and I've had those come to pass. I've lost relationships that way. So I want to speak to any woman that's listening, saying that I'm not coming at this with a, with an angry heart. I'm, I'm coming at this with a soft heart and a listening heart saying, a lot of my fears have come to pass. And, um, I was right to fear that some, some of those things might've happened, you know, but I've learned to fear God more than to fear man. And I I just want to share that for the local church, you know, what I really believe, I really believe that the local church is the hope of the world. And the local church is where we want to be raising leaders because, um, we can, uh, speakers, um, uh, nonprofits, uh, parachurch ministries, a lot of us authors, you know, we, we can have conferences where we train a bunch of preachers and we can do yep. workshops yep. and cohorts where we get people riled up to preach the gospel. But if they don't have a place to get reps within the local church, mm-hmm. we're just yeah. going to get a bunch of people excited for sharing the gospel without anywhere to do that. Um, and so I really believe that it's something that needs to come from the local church. Now, also I'm happy to be wrong about that. I'm happy for people to listen and disagree with me about that because I think that we're living in a time that's never existed before. We're fighting for a world that we've never seen before and it's worth talking about and it's worth trying a few things and it's worth fumbling through a few things. It's worth getting a few things wrong for the gospel to be shared and for image bearers to really reflect the image of God. So, um, I'm okay with being wrong. I have a couple of ideas. Um, just since we're the ones alive right now, sharing Jesus right now. So in this generation, I have a few ideas and I'm okay being wrong about them because the textbooks from a hundred years ago can't tell us how to share Jesus in today's day and age. So Mm -hmm. we really need to take what the word of God has said and think about how can we communicate to people today? So here's, here's some of my ideas. I think for local church, I think four things, uh, that local churches can consider in raising, uh, POC voices as well as uh, female voices. Is that okay to yeah. answer both of those? What, absolutely. Uh, female voices absolutely. As well as female yes. Yes. Um, I think we need four things, and I want. I hope that leaders um, feel empowered that they, they can implement these things. One, I think that we need the invitation. Uh, this is what people did for me. You know, for many years, I studied uh, white 
male preachers, not just to learn from them, which is a good thing, but I worked for a long time to mimic them, to copy and paste them, to preach like them, thinking I had to preach like the boys to preach at all. And by the grace of God, it was many of those same white men who eventually took me under their wing and said to me, Hosanna, it's time to be who you are. It's time to tell your story. And, um, that just showed just like the grace of God, like this thing I hated about myself. Other people were like, I want you to use that thing to help reach this generation. And so they gave me the invitation. What I mean by the invitation is the public invitation, the invitation to your public table. It matters to have people of color and female voices and different voices from different backgrounds with different lenses of the world, different denominations, uh, different voices to um, your public table at your conference, at your church, at your event. For me, I was the first female Chinese preacher I ever saw. And Mm -hmm. it's a lot when you feel called to do something you've never seen done before. So I feel a sense of calling just for little girls to see me. Um, I might come to a conference and I might not even be the best speaker at that conference. I might have preached five other times that week and maybe none of my talks could have been a plus with how much I was doing. But I feel the call just to say yes, let little girls see it. Um, so that they don't have to go through mentally if they're allowed. I think Mm. part of my calling is just to show up. And so I'm, I'm asking leaders to consider to make the invitation to their, their, the public table so that people can see what is capable for every child of God to do, Mm. invite them to speak Mm. at your conferences, your churches. The second thing is they don't just need your invitation to your public table, but the inclusion at your private table, the inclusion at your dinner table. The inclusion at the table that's planning the conference, that's making the theme, that's making the graphics, not just the picture on your conference bill, but the voice that's helping build something. They need your inclusion. Have them in your circles and listen to them, not just have your conference listen to them, but you as well. Listen to them and have them included in your private table. And third, they need the provision. They need the provision You might be surprised, leaders, how many resources you have that many of us don't, how many Mm -hmm. doors you may have had, even some that you fought for, some that you worked for. I'm not saying everything was handed to you, but I'm just saying that over time in leadership, we can maybe grow numb to some of the resources we have that many people just don't have. And people need your provision. Because here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you should have people who don't know the word of God and have a revelation of Jesus Christ and know how to preach the word allowed on your Sunday services. Yeah. You don't want someone that doesn't know the Bible yeah. or know the word yeah. or have yeah. the calling or the anointing. You don't want to do that. I'm not saying give someone the keys to your car that's never driven a car before and let them have at it. I'm saying... Mm-hmm that there might be someone that doesn't even have a car to practice with or a parking lot like you do. And you can Mm. take them and teach them how to break, how to parallel park Mm. so that they can go get a permit. So what I was saying is we, people need the provision of, I want to start a podcast. Okay. I have a friend that started a podcast. Let me give you his email so he can help you with what you need to purchase in order to do so. Then I'm going to help you with the content, you know? Is that, does that sound like a personal experience you guys might have had? You know, I, I really feel called that I want to start, I want to, I want to speak on a main stage one day. Okay. Maybe you can do 10 minutes at the youth group. Maybe you can uh, learn. Oh, I want to write, I help write church series one day. Okay. Maybe you can come and sit in when we, on the yearly thing where we plan church series and learn why we do what we do at what times of the year that we do it. There are so mm. many things that you might be surprised and then people will start to get a palette for what God has put on their heart, what they're craving to do for the Lord. And but some people just don't know what opportunities are available to them. 
have. And so I would say that people need the provision. Um, They need to be able to get the reps. And there's many churches that do that in different ways. Some do it throughout the youth group that people can do 10 minute talks or 20 minute talks or five minutes at their youth group or their recovery ministry, celebrate recovery. Uh, Many, many great recovery ministries are within the churches that people can get reps. I'm just saying at your church, I've heard many pastors say, well, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have someone on my stage. I can't preach. It's like, of course you're not, of course you're not pastor. So who, who are you (laughs) teaching to do that? Um, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, I think that a lot of that, you know, needs to be through the local church. So we need the invitation. We need the inclusion. We need the provision. And then we need the permission after you mm-hmm. invite us to your public tables and include us to your private tables and provide to us so that we can learn how to build our own tables. Mm-hmm. We need your permission to build the tables that maybe you won't even be at. You know, when you teach people, when you give us the tools, give us the tools to build our own tables, teach us how to build, show us what to do with the hammer, show us how to do dimensions, show us how, and then give us permission to build the tables that maybe you never even dreamed the church could have to build the tables for people that maybe you wouldn't be invited to. You already have tables. You might be surprised the kind of world we can create when you all know how to build tables, show us how to build tables too. They're just going to be more tables. Oh, there man. will just be oh, more goodness. people yeah. invited. You know, oh, it's just goodness. math. I hate to bring it yeah. up. You knew for the second I said I was Chinese, there was going to be a math yeah. reference. Here's the math reference. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> it's just about math. Build yeah. up more builders, build up more builders, and we'll have more tables. Yeah. And so yeah. I just think yeah. that um, the local church leaders, um, and that doesn't mean that you have to start some giant cohort or some giant ministry. That means that you could be praying for one person that you can raise up. You can be yeah. praying for one group of people for God to bring them into your life, you know, but I, I really just know that we need um, bigger tables. So we're going to probably have to raise some builders. Um, and those are yeah. the four things I would challenge the local church to do. And I challenge them to do those things because that's, what many leaders, men and women of many colors and many denominations did for me so that this kid from the streets is able Mm. to share the gospel today Mm. is because of the people that invited me, included me, provided for me and gave me a lot of permission. And so I just know that this is how the gospel can be shared more. Wow. Hosanna. I feel like I was going to let that mug breathe for a little bit, but we don't got that kind of time. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you so much yeah. for your story. Uh, thank you so much for teaching us today. Um, man, this is, I'm going to be playing this thing back, like, I don't know, a hundred <laughs> times, at least a hundred times. I know so many others are going to as well. Man, it's been a joy to have you on the podcast, Hosanna. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah. You have a standing invitation here. So, so much knowledge. Thank you. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you guys. Talk to you guys soon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, thank you guys for tuning in to the Ambassador Podcast. Tracy and Hosanna, y'all have been great. Uh, I'm looking forward to discussing more topics in the coming weeks. Uh, We hope for you listeners that this has been a helpful resource, and we encourage you to visit our website at www.weareambassador.com, where we'll be uploading a consistent stream of resources for you to dive into. If you have any questions or concerns, sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive frequent updates and an opportunity to send in questions or pursue conversations with us. Thank you again for listening and we'll be back soon. Bye.
Thank you for listening to the Ambassador Podcast. If you would like to hear more episodes or get more information about the Ambassador, please check out our website at www.weareambassador.com.